Thank you, Connie. Um, we are really excited. Christian just started with us. He just passed his test. He's in the first week of his Ignite program, and he went out this past weekend and on his first two appointments made sales. So uh, we wanted to have Christian on to kind of share a little bit about what that experience was like. Um, Christian, I'm sure you were a little anxious uh, and had some expectations, maybe even some negative ones, thinking, what am I going to do here? How difficult might it be to answer the client's questions? But let me share with us a little bit because you're brand new, you're still in college. How did you feel uh, prior to and during the process of making that sale? Oh man, I was nervous the entire time before and during. I'm pretty sure there was a moment in the house where I started shaking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it all worked out. Well, now, we had done some preparation before you went, uh, deciding what we were going to sell and how we were going to sell it. Now, your first case was 1900 for a final expense product, right? Yes, sir. And your second sale was how much? About? Oh, um, another monthly payment is about $25 a month. So that's another $300. And we were all in, in the final expense. Now, how, when you were going into this, what role did the prior preparation make? Did it make a difference for you and your confidence level? How did you feel about that? It made a huge difference, honestly, being prepared, going in there, knowing, um, just, just knowing um, what I'm going to be presenting, I guess. Um, I was able to go in there, and uh, I walked into the first one, got to know them and everything, right, and asked them what they want, and they wanted a full coverage. So the mortgage is 155000 and they're 70 years old. I was like, that's going to be a lot, but we can do um, this. And we, I went into critical period, like on your podcast, uh, number 17, like Connie just stated, and um, that helped a lot. So. And for those of you that don't know, number 17 probably represents a minimum of 40% of our business. So if we don't master number 17 podcast on the Sylvester team or the Sylvester podcast, that's going to eliminate about 40% of the potential business we could write. So it's a very, very big deal. Um, going into your next appointment, um, what would you – what would you do different? Uh, were there some things that you feel like you could have been better prepared on your next appointment going in? What would you like to do different on the next one? Just be more calm, I guess. Honestly, I don't, I don't know because I listened to that podcast probably seven or eight times the night before and um, like three times on the drive over. I mean... I don't know what I would really do different besides just calm okay. myself down. Well, I, you know, one of the good things about our business is the more times you do it, and I tell people all the time, and this is not only for you, Christian, but it's for everybody on the call here today, it will scare you how much more you will know in 30 days than you do today. And uh, there really isn't any way to completely prepare for that because – the on-the-job training, we're going to give you the basics before you go in, but then the on-the-job training is where you really learn. And the preparation we do, 
by the way we go through it. This is what we're going to show them and why you look through the number 17 podcast or others if we're working on something differently. And then by the time that 30 days has passed, uh, at that point you start getting this sense that I can handle this, I can handle most of the questions they throw at me, and the ones I can't handle, I've got a backup. I've got a lifeline that I can call for help if I need it. So, <clears throat> but the main thing of it is you learn and the confidence grows every time you have success or don't because the goal is for us to learn why we didn't make a sale in those situations when we don't. Um, now, you're, you're, you're getting to the point that you're getting leads now and running appointments between classes, not between classes, but while you're in class, and uh, um, you're well on your way toward Ignite, and we are excited for you. Let me explain to everybody and uh, to Christian here today why Ignite is so important. We know from the history of the insurance industry, if somebody will write 30 applications and get them issued in the first 90 days, the probability of success in this business, in this field, is over 90%. I think it's upwards of 95%. Well, the first three sales you write are going to be the most difficult because you're nervous, you're afraid, you don't know much. So if we can get those first three sales written and issued in that first 30-day period of time, the next 10 sales will be easier than the first three. We're building confidence. We're getting better. So if we get 10 more sales issued in the second 30 days, then the next 17 in the third 30-day period of time, those will be easier than the first three and easier than the first 10. And bingo, we've gotten our 30 applications issue paid in 90 days. We've increased the ability of our success upwards of 95% in this industry. So that's why Ignite is so important, not to mention you get it rewarded at convention, you get acknowledged at convention, you get a shirt, and just a host of other things happen because you've started and built a good foundation. For those of you on the Monday call, you will realize the people on the Monday call that are doing so well, they've all earned Ignite. Now, that's not a condition to be on the Monday call, but that's a result. That success is a result of earning Ignite. So uh, if you're uh, recruiting and building, then earning Ignite is it's a big deal because it indicates the probability of success in our industry. And Christian, uh, anything else you'd like to share with us today uh, because you're well on your way toward that Ignite? Uh, just something I would want to share, honestly, with uh, any new agents, I guess, is ask for help. You know, like I didn't know, you're not going to know everything about uh, about this uh, if you're new. Um, just speak to other agents. Speak to Dick and Connie. I mean, they are always willing to help. It's a really, really well-built job, I guess. <laughs> We refer to it as the system, and if somebody will follow the system and, and asking for help as part of the system, uh, reaching out and listening to other people's success is all part of the system, Christian. Yeah, thanks so much, Christian, for being on. Uh, he does have classes today, so we're going to let him go, and uh, we're going to keep in touch and, and help him to add more to his bank account every week. Thanks so much. Congratulations yeah, you. on your success. Thank you. And guys, think of, think about this, what Christian accomplished this week. That's $2,200 in premium, 
and at an entry level contract that's about fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars in commission and he's going to get seventy five percent of that right away so while he's in college on a Saturday afternoon he went out and added about twelve hundred dollars to his bank account and uh, I don't know about you but when I was in school half that would have been a big deal so Christian thank you very much and good luck in school today I appreciate it thank you okay um, we're going to have um, Johnny and David get on today. Uh, Johnny Brooks uh, is going to interview Marsha and just go through some things that he has experienced in the building process. And then when he's finished with that, we're going to have David do an interview that he would do for those of you wanting to build uh, of a prospective client or, or prospective agent to come into our business. Um, Johnny, I'll let you introduce Marsha and. Um, Ask her the questions you were intending. All right. Thank you, Dick. I appreciate it. Um, I tell you, I'm excited. I'm pumped up about what's going on in the Sylvester team right now, uh, the momentum, the activity that's going on. Um, I feel like by uh, August convention, we're going to be, uh, we're going to have the Sylvester team at number one. So I'm super excited. I'm excited, actually, to have uh, Marsha on today. You know, Marsha is one of my top leaders in my agency right now. Um, if you want to talk to somebody about activity, um, you know, Marsha is there. She, she is constantly on the phone. She's constantly talking to her agents. Um, you know, she has a game plan together. And so a couple of things we're going to talk about today with Marsha is, you know, our EBO meetings. We all know how important these EBO meetings are. Um, first thing, you know, you're getting in front of Dick and Connie Sylvester. You're getting in front of Chris Tinsman there in Richmond. You're, you're going over to Indianapolis with Mike Hall. You know, and, and on occasions, you're going to get Barry Clarkson and Rob Jones in these meetings. So you're able to go in and, and you're able to hear from those that are, have been successful in this business and that still are successful, and sometimes the owners of the company to give you a different perspective of what we're doing. And we're also going to talk a little bit about a checklist that's been put together that uh, Marsha uses. Um, you know, she sends it out to all of her new agents, and um, we're going to find out, you know, how that's working for her and, and her agents. So, uh, Marsha, you on the line with us? Hey, Marsha, you there? Hey, Marsha, you on the line with us? Can you hear me now? I can. I can. Yay. Okay. So, um, thank you very much for the opportunity of being on the call. I do view it as a huge privilege. Um, so what was the question? I'm sorry. I lost it with the phone thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, let's talk about the EBO meetings and I know you put a lot of activity in calling your agents and, and making sure they're at these EBO meetings and kind of the importance of why you think they should be there. Well, one thing I do, Johnny, I scan over my agents and my pending ICA list, and I put them in state order, and then I send them a little note inviting them to the nearest EBO meeting because I know how important it is to be able to see the people in action and to feel the Equus culture. Um, it's it's different than anywhere else because you're seeing their regional managers and district managers and the new the newbie achievers 
and they're sharing what they're doing. No one keeps it close to the chest. They share what they're doing. It's an unparalleled opportunity, and it's a great way to bring on new agents. It's like a, a Christmas party and a, and a, a wedding all together because you're seeing old friends or meeting new friends. You get new techniques down. I love them because it, it brings – it takes it to technicolor. It takes, you know, just an ordinary day. And it just, these are people that have been through what you're going through. They've, they've walked the walk. They, they've gone through the tough times and they keep going. They get knocked down, they get back up. And if we're smart, then we learn from them and, and we can heed their, the advice of their mistakes and get up and run even faster than they did. I love it. I tell you that makes a lot of sense, and, and it's really good, like you said, for new agents to be able to go in and hear from those of us that's been knocked down, those of us that's that's been through those weeks that, you know, we went on nine appointments and didn't sell a single thing, and we can go in and hear from those that's been through that. So I, I, I agree with you 100%. Getting them in these meetings are very, very important. Now, with the, the checklist that, that we have put together that you use uh, with all your new agents, um, you know, how how is that working for you? Do you think your new agents are, are kind of coming on board a little bit easier because they have, you know, kind of a game plan to go by? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would actually say yes, definitely, because I called some of the older agents that before we had that system, and they just felt lost. They didn't – there wasn't a sense of direction. But this gives them a roadmap or, a, a, you know, a path to follow. They know you go through all of these steps. Give us a call if you have any questions. But it, it takes them and holds your hand all the way through the process, and it gives them confidence because as they achieve a list, then they go to the next one. So they're, it's a positive, and they're also getting a chance to talk with us. So we don't dictate their speed. But what we do is provide the tools and support to help you succeed at the pace you prefer, whether it's a sound of light or a leisurely stroll. Obviously, the first is going to be a much better payday. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And like Dick said a while ago about Ignite, you know, that, that's something that, that I know you have in your checklist. You know, hey, this is our first thing we want you to accomplish because, you know, the, the, the really the facts are that, you know, if you, if you don't hit Ignite, that just basically means that it's going to be tough on you. And, and like, like Dick said, in those first 45 days, if you can get those three applications out of the way, you know, you guarantee your success in this business. And, 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 and it also shows that, you know, Marsha's team is growing, it's healthy, that she's a great leader, that she is getting her new agents up into Ignite. So that just, you know, proves there how your business is running. Um, Thank you, Marcia, for being on. I know Dick wanted me to talk about a couple more things, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to him. But I appreciate you being on the call with us. I just have one quick thing. I just um, Keeping a positive perspective is fuel to the cause, but negativity chokes off the momentum always. So even if you go through a tough time, find the, find the golden nugget in that, and don't, don't cry in your cups. Just be like, okay, next, and move on. That's one of the big secrets. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you, Marcia. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. So Dick wanted me to talk a little bit today about, um, of course, uh, building. That's my passion. I love building. I love talking to new agents. I love, you know, selling the dream, and that's what we're doing here. Um, you know, when I'm talking to a new agent, I'm not I'm not desperate. Um, you know, we, we've got a great team growing. We've got a lot of momentum. 
So I'm not just looking for anybody. So I'm not, I don't sound desperate when I'm doing my interviews. I try to keep it simple. I know Dave's going to, um, you know, talk a little bit more about how he interviews today, but I just wanted to give a couple quick things that I do. Uh, and this is just something that, you know, me and Dick have talked about. We've put some stuff together. And, you know, I, I let that agent know that, you know, with without mortgage protection, 91% of Americans would lose their home in nine months due to foreclosure if one of the breadwinners were to die or become disabled. Now, with our lead system, our in-house lead system, you know, that puts us in the field 80% of the time selling and only 20% of the time prospecting. And with Equus, uh, you know, we are a new company, but we're not a startup company. And the two most important people in our company, because we are the agent's company, is the agent and the client that we protect. I let them know that there's two career paths here at Equus. You can be a producer only, go out and write business every single day and easily make over $100,000 a year. Or you can be a producer and also build your agency. And by building your agency, you're just building passive income by building that team. I talk a little bit about uh, Barry Clarkson. You know, he's been in this business for 38 years. He's our president and CEO. I let him know that he's serious about the vision here at Equus, and I can promise you that he's going to build this, this particular company to four or $500 million a year, and we're just getting started. Um, you know, so I talk about Dick and Connie. You know, I let them know that Dick and Connie's been doing this. They are our managers. They're who we look up to. They're who we talk to. They're who we learn from. They've been doing this for 22 years, and they left the old company that we were all together at making $40,000 a month to come to Equus. They saw the vision. They've known Barry Clarkson for 20-plus years, and they knew exactly what he was going to do with Equus Financial. And then I opened it up for questions. Now, you know, sometimes questions are leads, commissions, different things like that, but I like to keep it simple. I like to kind of let them know that, you know, we're building a, a, you know, a dream here. We're building a legacy here. You know, we're sitting on a gold mine. I heard um, – um, uh, Holly Rogers say this on a call a couple of weeks ago. She said, we're sitting on a gold mine here, and everything is systematic, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Only thing you have to do is become numb to the process and keep it simple. I mean, we're, we're this is as simple as it gets. You know, we, we're here to sell a dream. And I know that lives are about to change. Everybody that's on this call today, our lives are changing the good. And I tell new agents that Dick and Connie have given us a, a playbook. They've given us a play. And all we have to do is take that one proven play and go out and run it. You know, it's a proven play. Just go and run it. And then I ask, you know, the, the, the new agent, um, are you coachable? You know, will you be receptive to instruction? You know, we can guarantee their success if you just follow this simple system. And I got a couple of points here on building a successful agency. You know, identify your leaders. You know, those that, that you can teach the system to, that you can duplicate the system to, and let them run with it. You, you identify that leader, they're going to take on their own agency, just like Marcia has on our team, just like Robert has, just like Dave Crocker. They're going to pick up and they're going to run with what's been duplicated to them. And you can back away. You can help them when they need it 
but you can back away and let them run their agency. The second point for building a successful team is you have to accept the fact that you can't help those that are committed to failure. Now, Robert Balgetch is probably the best at this. You know, when he, when he has a new agent, he sends out a task. If they complete that task, it gives them another task. If they complete that one, it gives them another task. He knows that that's going to be a future leader in his business. But if he sends out that task and they don't follow that task, they don't get back to him, he moves on to the next agent. So you have to find and you have to build leaders if you want your organization to grow. And the third point was, you know, take the builder's blueprint, the promotional guidelines, take it to your team, teach them how compensation works. Because I can promise you, if you show the right people how compensation works, uh, what that, uh, let's see, what they need to do to max out their compensation schedule, I can promise you they will move and move fast. So take that compensation schedule to them and show them how to get promoted. And the last thing I want to focus on, uh, I know Dick talked a little bit about Ignite, so I won't talk about that anymore, but the new sales manager's position, guys, three agents, $12,000 in premium. You know, three agents, 12000 in premium. And this position alone as a sales manager, if you get your new agent up to a sales manager, that's a guaranteed 300 to $500 a month in passive income in your account. For me, that's a car payment. For me, that's a house payment, you know, and that's passive income, something that you, of course, worked for in the beginning, but you're going to continue to continually do that uh, uh, every single month once you get that one agent, the sales manager. So focus on that sales manager's position. Talk to your agents about getting three agents on and doing that 12000 a month. Now, yesterday, Dick and I talked for a few minutes about uh, a young man that we knew from our old company, uh, his name was Rob. Um, you know, he was on Dick and Connie's team. He was in a terrible accident, guys. I'm talking, uh, uh, you know, it messed up his, his legs, his ankles. He was out of work, and he, you know, in the insurance industry, he was out for six months. So that means that he couldn't go out and, and make money for his family personally right in business. But what Rob did is he... He became a sales manager. He, he had those three agents, 10 agents, ever how many he had. And he was able each and every month to receive passive income during that time he was out. The good thing about a sales manager's position, guys, it teaches you to be a leader. It teaches you how to lead your team. And that only is going to help you when you become a district manager and you have those seven, seven agents, when you become a regional manager and you have those 15 agents. That is just the beginning of teaching you how to become a leader in this industry. So um, just wanted to, to, to point those couple of things out, Dick. I don't know if you have any questions or anything else you want me to answer, but I'll turn it over to you, sir. No, Johnny, I thought that was excellent. You know, when you were talking about selling the dream and we're sitting on a gold mine. I think most of us understand that intellectually, but it's difficult to get it down into our heart. And as, as you were winding up there and talking about, you know, just becoming a sales manager, and, and I don't say just to make it minimal, I say it's the first step, but adding an extra three to $500 a month to your account how many people on this call, and Johnny, I want you to comment on this at the end, how many people on this call right here today have got a rainy day up front? 
and a rainy day fund should be enough money to make all your, all your payments for a minimum of six months, preferably for a year. Hey, life just takes over and our rainy day fund gets used up. But if we could focus that three to $500 extra a month or extra a week that we're getting an override income and just plow that into a rainy day fund so that we've got a year's worth of house payment or a year's worth of payments set aside, boy, that takes so much pressure off. Johnny, before you were introduced to the insurance business, how would having a rainy day fund that had, you, had, had all your bills paid for in an account that you wouldn't touch unless you were in a rainy day fund need like Rob was, how would that have changed your life back in those days? It would have been huge, Dick. I tell you, as a firefighter, you know, we only make uh, 45000 uh, a year, some less, some more, but on average 45000 a year. And that 45000 basically paid my bills for me. I didn't have that rainy day fund. You know, I didn't, I didn't have the comfort of knowing that, you know, I could pay my bills even if I was out, uh, whether it be from disability, getting hurt at the fire department, whatever the case may have been. I didn't have that fund, so that is huge, huge. I know when we talked about this yesterday, you know, I thought about that thing last night. I was like, man, before, you know, I got into the insurance industry, um, you know, just having that extra three to $500 a month would have been huge for me to, to just take some pressure off, you know, and you know, we, we've, we've put the sales manager position in place for a reason, not only, you know, to get that three to $500, but to build leaders, you know, those that want to go out and build a team and those that want to go out and, you know, have three agents on their team with them. So it, it would have been huge for me, Dick, no question about it. Yes, sir. Well, Johnny, I want to thank you for that because we are just voicing to you the same constraints, the same anxieties many on this call here have today, raising six children for the first number of years in this business, and definitely before I got in this business, we didn't have any rainy day fund. You know, our rainy day fund was a credit card that we were going to have to pay off over the next year, and folks, that's never a good place to be, as most everybody on the call here knows. And uh, Johnny was talking last night. He said, you know, once you become a sales manager, What's happened is you, whatever you were doing before, whether it was being a firefighter, a pharmacist, or a carpenter, you know, you had one skill set, fighting fires, you know, carpeting. That was your skill set. Well, now to come into this, the sales skill set is a huge skill set. So that's the second skill set. And then if you become a sales manager, now you're starting to develop leadership tendencies. And Johnny was saying last night, those two extra skill sets, folks, change lives. And that's part of the dream that we're talking about, uh, that Johnny, I think, did a very good job of talking in terms of selling the dream. This is part of that dream. And uh, Johnny, thank you very much for joining and, and sharing this morning, because uh, I know John, Johnny is like Connie and I. He measures his success not on what he earns, but what on his agents earn and how well they're doing. So job well done. Thank you very much, Johnny. Um, yes, sir. We thank, have you. Asked, thank you. We have asked Dave um, to get on with us this morning, and uh, uh, he has done a very good job in terms of developing a system in terms of interviewing people. So we wanted him to kind of focus on the interview aspect of when we're trying to hire somebody. David, uh, would you hop on here and join us? Good morning, Dick and Connie. How's everybody doing? 
Well, it's good, and we don't have any snow. And I know you I know do. where you're at now. <laughs> are you still in Arizona, or are you back home? I uh, got home late last night, and uh, but it was colder in Arizona than it is, than it is up here in Seattle. <laughs> so <laughs> we went to get away from the snow, and actually we were in Sedona, Arizona yesterday, and we're covered in it, so can't win. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, you need to go farther south next time when you go down there. But you have, you have really done a great job in terms of the interview process. Would you kind of walk us through that? Because that's a skill set. That's a fourth skill set that you learn in this business, and it's one that needs to be learned. Would you share with us what you do? Uh, sure. And I've got to tip my cap here to Robert uh, Baljack for kind of helping me retool my whole interview process. I, most of what I'm going to share here, I hijacked and stole from him. Uh, copyright, plagiarized uh, violations, you name it. This is, uh, <laughs> this is, this, you know, I, I got on the phone with Robert and I just said, man, I'm watching what you're doing and I'm struggling. And he just walked through his system and I recognized right away where my issues were. And it was, number one, it was systemizing the onboarding process um, in the interviewing, uh, you know, and I hadn't really done that. And so I set up, uh, you know, my, my ads the way I do them. And, and, uh, and then uh, what I did is I set up a process by where I send people an email inviting them to interview, uh, and they go on and they schedule an interview with me. When they schedule that interview, they receive a reply email from me that gives them a couple of instructions for the call, including a link to the online Equus business opportunity meeting. And I don't, I don't require that they watch it before the interview, but I do ask them and I give them reasons why I'd like them to watch it. And so when I interview somebody, one of the first questions I ask early on is, did you watch the video? I want to know, number one, how serious are they about this opportunity? Am I just one of a thousand people they're interviewing with? Or are they actually very eager to be involved? Um, if somebody says, oh, I didn't have the time, or I, I didn't really, it didn't seem that important to me. Well, the way I wrote my response email to these individuals is, is very important. I put on there the reasons why it's important to watch this are, and um, uh, please take the time. Even though it's a little longer, please take the time to watch it. And I have noticed a direct relation, a direct correlation between the people that are engaged in their interviews and the people that aren't are the ones that have taken the time to watch the online, at least a portion even, of the online uh, Equus business meeting. And, um, and so in my interview, I covered that real quickly, but the, the thing that Robert taught me was to keep it simple, stupid, kiss. And that was ask people basically the, form, the following two questions. Tell me a little bit about yourself and why do you want to do this? Um, and, and because one of my challenges I found in my interviewing was that I was becoming the interviewee. It was almost like I was auditioning Equus to, to the individuals. Like, you know, like I would, you know, I get into this dog and pony show. Well, we have these commissions and we do this and we do this and we do this and we have the website. And it became this product vomit, so to speak, of just dumping on people all the things we can do. And, and I found that I was speaking 70% of the time in our interviews. And so this process here flipped it. It was, tell me about yourself. 
Who are you? Where did you come from? Give me three skill sets that you have, why you think you would be a good fit with my team. Um, and, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, here's an individual. If they watched the video, it means they followed instructions in the email that I sent them. If they didn't, it means that, A, they didn't think it was important, or, B, they didn't follow the instructions I gave them. Uh, a couple of times in the call this morning, people have mentioned the checklist. I send out the checklist. We have, you know, we have uh, these checklists that we created that for an unlicensed agent, uh, walks them through each individual step, and for a licensed agent, walks them through each individual step. And if somebody uh, calls me up with a question, hey, how do I do this? I immediately refer them back to, well, did you complete the first checklist? Did you complete the second checklist? And so going back to the interview, I want to know, can they follow the most basic of instructions? If you can't follow the most basic of requests from the, in, from the person you're trying to interview with, what's my expectation that you're going to be able to follow the much more important elements of your onboarding checklist later on? And so when I'm asking them in the interview, what are the skill sets you have? I'm also seeing, does it match up with what behaviors have they already shown me? Uh, were they available when I called our scheduled time? Did they watch the interview? Are they aware they even have an understanding. I'm, I'm shocked at the number of times I interview somebody where they'll ask me, now, what company are you with again? Well, if I have somebody that, that, that is not that engaged, if they're so disengaged, they don't, they don't even know what company I'm with, then it kind of tells me, all right, it's time to move on to the next client. So I ask them the question, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? What skill sets do you have that make you a good fit for my team? Why do you want to work with us? And then the other question I ask is, in the middle of that, then we start drilling down on areas that there's good fit. And then when it gets near the end, I ask the question, I say, okay, let's put a Superman cape on. You have a magic wand. You can do whatever it is you want. What does your income look like? If you, if, if you partner with our team, what do you want your income to look like for the next 365 days? Give me a number. What, what number do you, you have in your head that you want your income to look like? And then depending on the answer, I'm able to say, oh, well, then you just described the following individual, and I can reference somebody that was on the national call, or I can reference myself, or if they're a part-time agent, I can reference Johnny or you guys or whatever it is. Well, I know three people right now that have hit those numbers, and here's who they are. Here's how they operate. And so it, it makes it very real for them on, on going, okay, now I'm coming into a group that has, uh, that has act, active, practical examples of, of people that meet the kind of person I want to be over the next year. So that's kind of my interview. Uh, Robert encouraged me to keep them at 10, 15 minutes. Mine tend to be more 15, 20 minutes. But I try to keep it quick, and I try to keep it broken down to just those basic categories. Who are you? Where are you? Where are you going? What skill sets do you have? Why do you want to work here? And then put it on your Superman cape. What's your income over the next year? David, you know it's interesting. When you made the comment, these are the first two questions I ask. It's almost like critical period. We have three questions in critical period we always ask in the right sequence because why? It's a system. And you just described 
what your system is here. Now, one of the things I think was really great, and I hope everybody wrote this down, give me three skill sets that you feel that you have that would make you a good fit for my team. Boy, now what they're what, – what, let me explain to you why that, that question is so important. David's right. Now he's not being the interviewee. He's making them sell him on why they should be considered for this job. And, guys, he's just flipped the script as what he's done, and that makes all the difference in the world. And, uh, and then that last question, what do you want your income to look like for the next year? Again, now they have to be, rather than be a sponge and sucking out of you, they have to pony up and really give a realistic, uh, because if they say, well, if I just want to make I'm full-time and I want to make $28,000 a year, that probably is not going to be a fit. Or if they say, I want to make a million dollars a year, that's probably not going to be a fit. Is it possible to make a million a year? Yeah, but it's not going to be their first year in most situations unless they have got some, some skill sets that are phenomenal. So it gives him a good chance to read them and challenge them on it. Okay, you want to make a million dollars a year. Have you ever made a million dollars a year in your life? No. Well, what's the most you've ever made? 68000 So what skill set have you learned since you made 68000 that you think is going to carry you into making a million dollars a year? And again, we don't get those kind of questions or those kind of outlandish comments, but it just shows you how what David has done here through these series of questions, how he set the stage for them to have to sell him on why he should um, hire them and put them on, on his team. Um, David, thinking back through these, how do you usually at the very end of your conversation then, how do you determine, yes, I want this person on my team or I really don't think it's a fit, and, and how do you move forward from there? Um, if they're engaged, if they have followed through on the things that I've asked them to do, especially if they've taken the time to watch the video, um, if they if they have a, you know, you can get a good feel in an interview very quickly if somebody's um, actively really wanting to pursue this. If I feel they're ambivalent and, 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 the, and not really engaged or, or if I have questions, if I have concerns, what I do is I say, here's, I think, the best next steps is I want you to go back and over the next 24 hours I want you to finish watching that video. Could you agree to that? And then what I would like you to do is take some notes and call me back at the end of that and give me a thumbs up or down if you would like to pursue next steps. And then generally speaking, at that point, I wash out about 80% of the people that are just going to be ambivalent, people that, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to be the kind of individual that has to drag somebody along. I'm more than happy to partner with anybody that puts their hands up and say, hey, can you help me? I don't care who you are. And, and, and when I look at resumes that come in through my ZipRecruiter ads, um, you know, they could, I, don't, I don't necessarily look at their professional history as much as I'm looking at, is this an individual that wants help? Is this an individual that wants to work hard? If, if I get a sense of that, I'm happy to partner with anybody. Um, but if I get a sense that they're an individual that wants me to do all the heavy lifting for them, then it's not going to be a fit because when I'm not looking and when I'm not doing the work, I got to make sure that they're actually still out there doing their, their process. So if I sense any ambivalence whatsoever, then I push into the video and say, you know, 
Call me within the next 24 hours and give me a thumbs up or down if you'd like to take next steps. If they're engaged and they're ready to go and it's obvious in the call that, yeah, this individual is, is going to be firing on all cylinders, then we go ahead and walk through the ICA. And then the moment that I get the confirmation, and I explain this to them, the moment I get the confirmation that you've completed the ICA, uh, then I will send you the step one checklist. And this gets back to that I hit the ball to you, hit, you hit the ball back to me scenario. I send you the checklist. If you don't complete it, that's on you. You know, you've got to be a self-starter in this, in this process. So I will wait for you, you, you know. And it used to be I would do ICAs with people on the phone. And I have found that the people in, in my team now that are actively moving through their exam training or actively moving through their checklist are the individuals that when I send them the ICA, they completed it on their own. Um, and so, I'm, you know, while I can feel like personally, this is just my personal opinion, I can feel like maybe I've lost somebody if I send them an ICA and they don't respond. At the same time, if they don't respond, then what kind of individual did I have for my team anyway? Were they going to be engaged anyway? So I've got to have people that when I send them a task, they complete it. So um, when I send them an ICA request from Equus, the moment I get that back, then I, wherever I'm at, I can be on the side of the freeway somewhere if I have to be, I immediately respond with, here's your step one checklist, um, and uh, get this, go through these steps. When you get to the bottom, let me know, and I will send you step two. And, um, and then they're off and running, and I, and I very quickly find, I see people immediately enrolling in their exam FX if they're unlicensed. If they are licensed, they immediately, I get, usually get a text back from them momentarily, please add me to group me, because that's one of my first steps on the checklist. And so that tells me that they're engaged in actually walking through the process. So um, that's what I do. And then from there, the checklist drives the entire administrative process up and through uh, their very first appointment. Well, David, I, and, and I know you've seen a great uptick in your um, committed agents with that. Um, I wanted to go back to one thing that I, I feel like we have uh, pretty well changed uh, when we first were doing so much recruiting. We didn't really care too much about E&O insurance. However, guys, with AmeriCo being an absolute necessity for every new agent, every new agent is going to need E&O insurance before they start their contracting profile because if they don't have it, when they start that profile, they won't get AmeriCo. And then it's phone calls and texts and all kinds of follow-up. And so, David, I know you have your agents get that right away. Is And uh, I talked to Robert this morning about that. You know, basically, if a person can't afford $40 a month for E&O insurance, what kind of a fit are they anyway? Because we all know that, you know, to make money, you've got to invest money. Um, is there anything you'd want to say about working that into – uh, your steps or just anything in general? Well, I, what I would say is I just noticed there's, there's a couple of different kinds of people that apply to com become part of Equus. You have the individuals that go on and just click on every possible job opportunity on ZipRecruiter or Indeed or Craigslist. And when I call them up, they don't even know who I am. They haven't taken the time to watch the video. They, they don't even know what my name is. They haven't watched anything online. Those kinds of people, you know, I can tell them briefly about the opportunity. If they're engaged a little bit, maybe you haven't watched the online Evo, 
Other than that, I'm moving on to the next. And that's kind of the check interest type of an individual. Sometimes, though, you have an individual that I couldn't wait for you to call. I, this is the, I've been waiting for this. I've been researching it. I know all about it. I've watched this video. I've watched that video. I'm ready to go. Well, that kind of individual, individual is going to get, get a big star next to their name because I know that I need to get them the information and the tools as soon as possible. And so I'm always engaging their level of engagement in, in the interview and in their first few steps. And it is okay to walk away from somebody that's not engaged. It's okay. We, I, we can't be the ones that carry the water for every individual. Now, again, I am going to partner with anybody that says they want help. And no matter what level of help that they say they need, if they are engaged, if they are actively working on their behalf, then I'm going to stand right alongside of them with my arm around them and help them. But I cannot be out front pulling them along. It's okay to be behind and give a little push every once in a while or right next to them with your arm around them. But to be pulling somebody along can be physically and mentally draining because, remember, I'm supposed to be out in the field, uh, and I've been snowed in the last 10 days. I mean, we were buried in snow, and in Seattle, we don't have the infrastructure for that. And so the last 10 days, I don't have the room to breathe now in my production for February to be spending an inordinate amount of time on the phone with an individual who can't even help themselves. So when I have an individual that's they're trying, they might ask the same question five times, that's okay. If they are, if they are trying, and if they're working hard, then I'm going to help them. But if I'm having to do the trying for them, then I have to personally give myself some relief and some release and say, it's okay to walk away. You know, and I'm always there. If they call back five months later and, hey, I need help, great, I'm happy to help you. But it's where I'm having to keep track of how is this individual doing just in the, in the basic effort department. Um, you know, uh, I was down in Arizona and was able to meet up with two of our new agents down there in my team. Love them both. Vera, you're amazing. <laughs> I wait till you hear Vera. She's incredible. And Eric down there, we had a great visit, went to a Starbucks and, and uh, had a great visit. And, and both of them are trying. And both of them are actively moving. Whenever I say, hey, let's do this, I always see activity from them. If other individuals where you say, hey, let's do this, and you don't see the activity coming out the other end, I don't walk away as much as I say, okay, my energies need to be spent with the individuals that are trying. And so, um, you know, uh, the ones that try, I'll always put my arm around them. And that's been a big shift for me because before I would try to get people to be doing things and, and they wouldn't return my phone call for a week and a half. You know, I call somebody up, I won't hear back from them for a week and a half or two weeks or three weeks. Well, they're clearly not engaged. They're clearly not wanting to move forward. So, and that's a, that's, a very, that's a very conundrum to be in because sometimes, David, we just want it more for them than, than they want it for themselves. Um, thank you so much, as always, for uh, being willing to give of yourself and give of your time. And thanks so much, David. We look forward to you being DM uh, real soon. Hey, guys, um, do want to say... First, I'm going to stop the recording.